Hola, soy Dafne Wegebe y soy amante de las investigaciones de crimen real. Existe una pasión especial de seguir el paso a paso que los especialistas en la rama forense de la criminología siguen para resolver cada uno de los casos en los que trabajan. Si tú, como yo, eres una de las personas que encuentran fascinante escuchar este tipo de investigaciones, te invito a escuchar el podcast Trazos Criminales con la experta en perfilación criminal, Laura Quiñones Orquiza en tu plataforma de audio favorita. You are listening to All Things Latina Podcast, where every week you will learn about topics relating to business and career, while at the same time receiving a kick of motivation. If you're ready to pursue your dreams and goals, then you are where you need to be. I am your host, Tani Estefi, a traveler, digital guru, and hot sauce loving Latina. Episode 13. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget to follow All Things Latina Podcast on Instagram for updates on upcoming podcast episodes and inspirational reminders. Let's talk about the coronavirus, also known as COVID-19, that has taken the entire world by surprise. This episode is very dear and near to my heart because I'll be interviewing my brother, Billy Torres, who has lived in Beijing, China for about four years now, and he will be sharing with us his take on how it's been for him living in China while living through the coronavirus out there. We will be talking about Wuhan, the epicenter of the COVID-19, quarantine and how it works, shortage of goods, safety tips, and much more. Let's not wait any further and let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Um, today's episode is going to be a little bit, um, a little bit different because the person that I am interviewing is my brother, my brother Billy. And he actually lives in China and has been living out there for about four to five years already. So it's been a while. Hi, Billy. Are you on the line? Hey there, Tanya. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, in, I'm on the line. I can hear you clearly. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for joining. I know it's pretty like late out there, right? Pretty late out here. Time difference. Uh, I believe we're about 16 hours now. And uh, but I'm excited to do this interview. I'm excited to to talk to you and shed some light into uh, life in Beijing during during this time during the coronavirus and much more about uh, the disease itself or the virus itself. Great, great. Okay. Well, I mean, I want to start off this interview um, talking about a little bit about Wuhan and what kind of city Wuhan is um, and what your perspective and take is now, given that you've lived out there for quite some time. Um, yeah. So I, I was actually in Wuhan visiting a friend about two and a half years ago. Uh, so I was lucky enough to go into the city then. And uh, Wuhan's distance from, I live in Beijing, and so the distance is about the same distance from LA to El Paso, uh, very close distance to that. And so, although it's a little bit far from here, it is a big city. It's a very modern city. So um, it's just as any modern city in, in America. You know, if you want a Starbucks, you get a Starbucks. If you want to make it easy, you can get it. And it has its own uh, financial towers and financial center as well. So uh, in terms of population, has about 12 million people. And so you get an idea, LA County has about 10 million. 
So in terms of population, it's a little bit bigger. In terms of size, and we can compare it to LA County, um, you know, in terms of size, it's very close to that. Size, I believe LA County is about uh, a little bit over 4.7 thousand square miles. Wow, Wuhan is about three point two thousand square miles. Wow, so it, it it's pretty so, pretty large. I I didn't know that, and I think many people don't know that. Given you know, I mean, we've only learned about Wuhan, I, of course, because of the virus, the coronavirus. But that it, it's a pretty big city. Yeah, Wuhan is is pretty big, so you can get an idea. It's a, almost the size of LA County, give or take. You know, a couple of cities that we have there. So. Uh, but again, it's a very modern city uh, as well. A lot of people, when they hear about Wuhan or they hear about the virus itself, they think, oh, third world country and, and so small little town, but it's definitely not. Now, can you talk to us about China overall and how you guys are dealing with this coronavirus pandemic? What has it been like? Um, and I know there's different kind of quarantines out there. Can you talk to us about how that works and how you're able to live through this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the biggest part of it is uh, the quarantine, right? And so um, there's this concept that there's uh, no freedom, right? You can't you can't be out and and whatnot and everything's shut down and, and, and people are forced to live inside. And so now there is some truth to the quarantine. There isn't uh, too much truth into the, the being forced to be inside. So, for example, I was in quarantine for 14 days and it's still quarantine. Uh, pretty much you are inside your apartment. Now, um, Beijing and China overall has a very, 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 very good system of delivering goods, of kind of, of what we see back home with like Amazon deliveries and things like that, except that the turnaround time is much faster, right? So here you can order a TV online and it's delivered within like one hour. Worst case scenario, you can get it next day. Um, or you get food within, you know, now literally you get, if I order any fast food over the phone, it's delivered uh, within five minutes. Um, and so five to 10 minutes. And so it's, it's very, very quick. It's very handy. So the need to be out, uh, buying groceries or buying things isn't necessarily, uh, as big as it would be in the States, right? Because this is a system they've had already for years. Gotcha. Uh, Gotcha. So, I mean, so that's, that's great to know that that's how, you know, people are getting food delivery up to their place and stuff. Now, are they kind of, I mean, this might be a silly question, but are they protected with like special kind of gear or anything like that? How do you know, or how are you safe? What's the safety protocol out there? So what we do, so, and, 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 and to go a little bit on that, as far as what we do do, as far as safety is, uh, there's a big difference into how we approach things back home and how we approach it here. So the way we do it here, everyone wears a mask. So anytime we step out, we're wearing a mask. At times we even wear gloves, you know, um, it's personal choice. Um, the mask is mandatory. So no mask, no service in a lot of places. If you go grocery shopping or if you do end up going anywhere, um, even getting into your DB, which is the equivalent of an Uber. And so even if you go into the, your, per se, Uber drive, Uber car, you have to wear a mask, otherwise you can't get in. Oh, also, wow. inside the cars, and they have a plastic covering that, that separates, you know, the driver from the, 
for the passengers in the backseat. And so uh, these situations, these measures are taken. The food delivery people are covered up uh, as well. They wear their masks, they wear gloves. And so uh, they're not wearing any hazmat, as you would imagine, or as you might have seen. Um, so no hazmat here in a sense, but they are wearing these extra things. So yeah, anytime you do go out, you uh, tend to protect yourself. That's really great insight. So thank you so much for giving us a little bit of more insight about what is happening out there. And to give the listeners a little bit of background on what you do in China, um, you, Billy is a consultant out there. Um, so Billy, can you talk to us about how this has impacted you as a businessman and what your daily life activities are? What are they looking like now? Um, of course. Yeah. So uh, I think this this is a two prong question, so I'll answer it separately because uh, one side is the business side and the other side is your daily activities, uh, which now are completely separated. And so the first part, the business side of things, you know, China is a culture where business is done. It's a collectivist culture. So it's where business is done on a personal level first before necessarily diving into the business side of things. And uh, to give you an idea, the Typical thing that happens is you meet someone, you know, you're going to talk about a deal per se, or you're going to talk about uh, certain business aspects of what you're working on. And so the, the typical thing is they invite you out to, you know, you go out to dinner or you go out to have tea. Um, so you go to like one of these tea houses. And then that's kind of where you discuss uh, what you want. So you eat, they get to know you on a personal level uh, first, and they want to know where you're from and, and just things you like to do. And so you kind of vibe with them on that level first, and then you move on to the actual details of the business, right? Or uh, the the ideas and the things that matter, the key points that matter for you, the key points that matter to them. Uh, If a deal strikes, you shake hands, and then that pretty much becomes it's made. Uh, What you do in the boardroom now is more of a formality, right? When you're presenting the presentation, it's more for everybody to kind of get to know what's happening, get to know the the real details of, of the deal, but it becomes more a formality then and uh, than it does before that within uh, a setting of dinner uh, or a meeting of that nature. And so typically that's how it's done. As you can imagine now, like I was mentioning this quarantine, um, it's not forced, you're still able to go out, but people choose not to go out, right? And so meeting people is something that you do um, sparingly. And so because it takes away that personal part it impacts the way business is done. So all of business is halted right now. So in terms of business in China, China for the, for the past few years, you can imagine has uh, grown economically um, and it's grown very, very fast. And it's grown um, a lot of, uh, it's grown politically as well. Um, so it's become a very important player in the terms of, of, of power in the world. And one of these things has been done through like the Belt and Road Initiative, where it's connected countries from, you know, South America all the way to Africa through this Belt and Road Initiative. Um, since China has halted, those initiatives are halting as well. And we don't have to go too far. We can see the impact it's had in America. If you're in L.A. and you live near the 710, you can probably see now my dad tells me there's absolutely no traffic. All the big rigs aren't doing too much work. And so traffic is lighter. Right, because importation exportation has uh, lowered, and you can see it through there, and so you can see it in the economy. The market has taken the biggest drop since the recession in two thousand eight, right? And so 
you can you can definitely see all these things happening um, in real time. So yeah, all of business if we see it on a on a grand scale of things impacts uh, the world as far as China goes. And if you see it in, in a smaller setting, it takes away where it takes even your daily activities to more to a personal level on your own. What are you doing on the day to stay uh, active? You know, are you just going out for walks? Are you going to exercise? Reading books? Finding ways to kind of keep going? And as uh, things are done now through video, right? Um, it doesn't give the same sense. So the feeling isn't the same. So deals aren't being made. Um, consulting isn't being done. I can't walk in to a company that has no employees to talk to, right? Um, and so because of that, it makes things very, very tough. Yes, I, I could imagine. And I can slowly uh, start seeing that uh, here. Unfortunately, um, everyone, you know, not everyone, but a great amount of people, they're working from home now. So um, we're definitely seeing that little by little people, you know, are kind of um, just staying away from each other. And, you know, that's what they're advising. That's what experts are advising to pretty much stay away, you know, or, or maintain your distance. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how the Chinese community has really come together during um, this crisis? Yes, of course. So um, China, it's a collectivist culture, right, uh, as opposed to Uh, America's individualistic culture. And so uh, one of the important things to note, and then so I'll pose this question to you um, in terms of wearing a mask. Why would you wear a mask? I would I would wear a mask to protect myself from any germs or I mean, or the virus right. itself. Right, right. And that and see, that's exactly where I was going with. Right. In, in, in terms of wearing a mask and a lot of us, you know, like in America, in America, We think it of this. We think of it in a sense of I wear a mask to protect myself. Um, but in China, people wear a mask to protect other from ourselves, right? To protect others from mm -hmm. from perhaps I'm carrying the I'm carrying the virus, and what I don't want to do is I don't want to pass it on uh, to somebody else. Um, you know, some people this virus goes undetected, so it goes undetected for up to 21 days, actually. Uh, 14 days is the quarantine, but it can go up to, it's been seen actually past that. Um, 14 days seems to be the norm, but for the first few days, it, it can go, right? It can be just no symptoms whatsoever, or maybe like a light cough, or just the feeling of feeling tired. Um, just being tired, you know, it, it's one of the, the first signs of having it. But a lot of us would not pay too much attention to that. Um, but anyway, and, and being here in China, it's why people wear the mask, and Yeah, they, I think they're very uh, open to that um, as a community itself. You know, it's China being a communist country um, obviously has its flaws in the sense of maybe like freedom of speech, right? And, and the control that government has over that and censorship. But in terms of times like these, I think it proves that uh, it has a good system where people simply listen to authority. Right. Uh, our tendency in America and tendency in Western countries is to rebel against authority. Right. Well, when authority says something, the government says something. And uh, we or we tend to rebel against it or make it known that we disagree and act on that uh, feeling or that thought. Right. And if you look at now, you know, I'm from Los Angeles, um, for those who don't know. 
So I'm a big Laker fan. I love the Lakers and I love LeBron. I love LeBron being there. And I love the fact that we're having a great season. Um, Which, by the way, the NBA but, shut down. I don't know if you got the news all the way until to all the way to yeah, Beijing. I did. Yeah. And so that, that's where I was going to. And, and I know like myself and a lot of us were excited thinking, hey, we're going to get a championship back and getting something like the NBA season uh, uh, shut down. It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hit to our gut. And in terms of what I was going is, is we have someone like LeBron who, again, I appreciate, but he goes out and says, you know, there's no fans. I'm not playing. And I respect that. But at the same time, there's a sense of responsibility and talks a little bit about how we don't take this as serious. Right. Up until now, Donovan Mitchell, he became uh, contacted with the virus. And so he's one of the biggest stars to 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 get it. Now it becomes a real issue. Right. And that's, it took this to get to take this serious and shut down and say, okay, we're not going to hold these events, right? And so now it can be taken serious in the terms of, hey, we need to protect ourselves. Again, there's no need to be hoarding things. Yes, and right? I, I wanted to and talk to so, you about that, and I wanted to get your take on it and how people are doing this in China, because at least here um, in L.A. specifically, and I know it's been happening in other parts of the, the country, too, where we've had shortage of goods. So, for example, people are buying out all of the toilet paper, all of the water. I can tell you that our mom, I was going to say my mom, because Latinos usually say my mom. So our mom, actually, I was talking to her today, and she said that she went out to four different stores just to try to get water and beans. Okay, beans and rice. She was trying to just get beans and rice. <laughs> hey, I wish I had some frijoles here right now. So let's, <laughs> no, let's not judge on that. <laughs> I'm not judging. I think it's an excellent choice of, 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 of food, right? But she says she went to like four different stores and she couldn't even get beans or rice or water or anything like that. So can you talk to us a little bit about what do you think is something or what, ha- what has, um you know, the Chinese community been doing about this? How are they approaching things in regards to the goods? Yeah, so so going off of where I was at and then saying that is, you know, it's how we react to things, right? And so one of the reasons why we do this and, and talking about, you know, China as a community is um, they're very good at not being emotional and reacting logically, right? And, and then if in the sense of not understanding something, from a logical perspective, they listen to authority. It comes from that. And so they listen to the advice of the experts where they say, hey, you know what? Stay inside, protect yourself, wash your hands, wear a mask. Something as simple as that. Because again, the virus can live on a metallic surface. Now, what we do in America is we tend to react emotionally, right? And so we tend to go through, when we have an emotional breakdown or when we don't have control over something, we fall back to different uh, psychological aspects of dealing with this. So one of the ways we're seeing that, or I'm seeing that in America, it's through, through retail therapy in a sense where people are going and shopping. And then the reality is toilet paper is not going to save you from, keep you safe from this, right? Or having vast amounts of water, or even though, I don't know, picoles might be it, but, or maybe tequila might be, but <laughs> um, hoarding this kind of things, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not something that, uh, again, maybe I have, uh, a second guess about tequila so I won't touch that one but <laughs> I actually <laughs> so got rosé <laughs> they were making fun of me because I actually bought rosé yesterday and they're like this is how you're coping with this emergency I'm like hey I'm gonna need it at some point <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that would be a way but uh, no on a serious note I think 
Hoarding isn't necessarily, it's just what we're doing when we don't have control, we don't have the information and uh, we react emotionally. And, and you, so and you know, just, just to, to touch, just to touch base on that, you made a good point about um, emotional retail therapy, right? Because it's not the first time that, that I've heard this. Um, I actually interviewed a financial advisor, Eva Macias, um, in one of my older episodes um, a few months back. And she actually mentions retail therapy, how people shop when they say, Oh, I'm just going to have some retail therapy. They, they shop based off of emotions because they cannot control their emotions. And this here is an, a, a huge example of what's going on. People are just going nuts and they're just shopping like, you know, like crazy and hoarding, like you mentioned, um, because they have, you know, they're scared, essentially. Right. I, I Right. Exactly. I mean, I think she's right. And I think um, I agree with that. And um, again, we react to it that way when the reality of it is, and, uh, and I'll give you an example that uh, something that perhaps people do back home. I know I was definitely this type of person when, when working in LA was, you know, you get off of work or you go out, you, you go out to lunch and you open the door, you get in the car, uh, you drive through, you drive to the drive through of, uh, you know, Taco Bell, McDonald's or whatever it may be, El Unico, and you get your food and you eat in your car, right? At this point, you haven't washed your hands. You probably haven't used disinfectant uh, or hand sanitizer. And so now you're eating inside your, your your vehicle. Now, if you think about this, one of the last things you touched was a metal surface, which was the door handle, right, of, the, of that door. And that's a way of easily getting this virus, right? Um, it's something that we do normally without even thinking about it. You're at the supermarket, you know, and... Your people are grabbing the different carts. That's a metal surface. And so um, it, it's somewhere where if we don't wash our hands, it's one of the ways to grab it, to, to sorry, catch this. And so it's something as simple as that, being aware of our kids, being able to do that. And so, you know, one of the things you want to do is uh, you want to take these precautions, right? Uh, wear a mask. I think there's some kind of sense of, ridiculousness that happens of like, wait, I'm not going to wear a mask. It's uncomfortable or, you know, it, it looks funny. It looks weird. And I think we got to get rid of this thinking of like, oh, this looks funny. This looks weird um, because, oh, I'm doing this because I'm sick. I don't want to give the wrong impression. No. Right. It, or people are going to treat me differently. Um, if we think it from the point of I'm doing this to protect not only myself, but to protect others as well. Um, I think it changes the mindset of us and it keeps us safe, right? Especially when we're in a place like shopping at a supermarket or shopping at a store of uh, your Macy's or you're, you know, at a super or La Superior where, you know, you tend to be close to each other in line, right? When, when, time, when the time comes to pay. Um, and so wearing a mask can easily protect you from that. And you know what? That's a really good point that you just brought up because... I really have not seen many people wearing masks. And now that you mention it, it's, it's totally scary. It's very scary because I went to the store yesterday to shop for a few items. You know, it's better safe than sorry. Um, and I did. I shopped for a few items and not one, per not, not one person was wearing a mask, not the cashiers, not people shopping. And just overall around, like people are kind of scared, but no one's wearing a mask. So, and I think. Part of that is the lack of information Sorry, that probably the outlets are providing in regards to that. 
you know, and see, one of the things that happens is like here, for example, when you do go out, any establishment that you go to, whether it's a restaurant, and I mean, these places are still open, you know, not not all of them. They're, they all take some precautions. But if you go to a restaurant, for example, the first thing they do is they take your temperature. Right? Actually, if you go anywhere, any supermarket from like seven, something as small as a shop as a 7-Eleven to like going to an actual supermarket or going to a restaurant or any building um, anywhere and to come into your own community, which would be like your apartment complex. They take, you have to have a pass and they take your temperature. So that is the first thing they do anywhere you go, take your temperature. Now at that point, uh, it'll tell you, you know, what your temperature is. If it's above where you show that you have a fever, then immediately they call a medic and then you're attended for that and you're checked. Um, if you have the virus or not. And so if not, they just let you go in and continue about your day. And so that's one of the first things that happens, right? Any restaurant, the waitress comes and the first thing she does is gives you disinfectant for your hands. So she has a bottle disinfected and she puts it on your hands, right? And she's covered up all she has a mask and she's wearing gloves. And so that's the second thing that happens. And so these are different ways that people have it or they ensure, you know, if you go for a mall, if you go to a mall, the guy in the front scans you for your temperature and you walk in and they have a section there where they have a hand sanitizer and you just kind of go in and, and, uh, and do it yourself. And so, uh, the hands-free sanitizer machine. And so, you know, they have all these systems already in place in terms of control, in terms to be able to, uh, help fight this virus, right? Where if you think in, in, in a place like, uh, Los Angeles, you mentioned there is, isn't people aren't even wearing masks. Which to me is ridiculous. I personally, you know, I personally haven't seen it. I mean, I live in L.A. and I have not seen not one person with a mask. And that scares me, Um, you know, where. Yeah, where I work. Also, I haven't seen people wearing masks. So it's pretty, pretty scary. Hand sanitizer. These things uh, are important. You know, washing your hands. If you don't have hand sanitizer, it's fine. Right. The first thing you should do is go go straight to, you know, restroom, bathroom, wash your hands. Right. So I've gotten into the tendency that every time I'm out, I come home. The first thing is, you know, drop off my things, put them down and then go right right into the restroom and, and wash my hands with soap and, and use the, the hand sanitizer that I have. Yes. And now so, I've been obsessed with the same thing. Hand sanitizer, water and just cleaning, like just constantly washing myself because that's the only thing you can do, really. Aside from wearing masks, I'm, I'm going to try to get masks now because, yeah, it's no joke. You know, one of the things is also you stay hydrated, like staying hydrated. Uh, it's one of the things that also a lot of the times if you ingest it and it goes through your esophagus and through your stomach, the acid itself can take care of the virus. So, um, it targets the virus itself targets people with uh, weaker immune system. So uh, most of these things are kids and elderly. And so one of the things we don't think as adults is if we contract the virus, we carry it. Right. Um, and we might be, we might have a fever, and eventually, maybe the, the, the consequences might not be severe, hopefully not as severe. But the problem is we can be a carrier and pass it on to, to a child or pass it on to a grandparent or something. And then that becomes uh, more of the danger, you know, because that's where it has the, high, the highest uh, percentage for risk. Mm-hmm. Um, risk yeah, for, uh, for a severe um, outcome. And yeah. so... I think it's important for us to note that as well, that it sometimes it's not just about us, but it is about those that surround us, right? 
Yeah, and that that that's a great point, and that's a takeaway. I want everyone listening to kind of take away. You know, it's just because we're not in the bracket of like you know um, high risk. It doesn't matter. We we still need to look out for our parents, our our friends, our older friends, grandparents, and just people overall. You know, it's a human quality. Um, we just have to look out for each other. You know, I was talking to one of my buddies and he's a, he's a police officer there. And I asked him, like, are you guys having to wear this stuff? And he said, uh, we only have to wear the mask if we, uh, um, if it's someone that, uh, it has the virus. Right. And so, you know, what I told him is, you know, you gotta, you should wear it more often because, um, this was my advice to him because the virus can go undetected, you know, for several days. And so perhaps even the first three, four days, people can show no symptoms of having it, but they're a carrier. And that's why it's growing so fast, right? If you look at the rate that it grew, um, you know, Italy's the most impacted right now outside of China. And so if you look at the rate that it grew in Italy as opposed to China, it's growing a lot faster in Italy as it is in the U.S. And as it is, you know, obviously France, France, I think is the after Italy is the second worst outside of China. Um, it is because of these things that we're Western country. We, we don't have the same tendencies um, that a Eastern or Southeast Eastern uh, Asian country does have. And so um, the rate of spread is much, much higher, much, much faster um, because we're not taking these precautions um, from the get go. Billy, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and experience with us today on my podcast. Um, and before you go, can you give us a piece of advice um, for everyone who is listening and just going through this, given that now China has a better handle on this virus than we do here in America? Um, it seems like it's getting a little bit um you know, still, it's a little bit out of control. So um, any advice or piece of advice that you can offer us? Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, no, thank you for having me. I think it's important that we all, uh, as you know, as a society and as a community come together during this time. So thank you for having me and um, and being able to express this. My advice would be, number one, uh, don't hoard. There's no need to go out and, and, and hoard and buy all these things. Uh, simply take care of yourself by washing your hands, wearing a mask. Um, that's highly important. Those two things alone will uh, help you out in staying safe so much. Um, to note that it's not a Asian or Chinese disease, uh, sorry, um, that's only Chinese have. No, it, anyone can have it. I think it's now more evident that even celebrities are having it. And so you're able to see it that it's not necessarily like, oh, I haven't been to China. It's okay. I don't talk to Chinese people. It's okay. No, anyone can have it, right? Um, there's no nationalism to it. So I think that would be the second thing. Um, and, the, and the third thing is stay aware. Um, if you don't need to really go out and be out, you know, then don't, don't do it. There's different ways of you maybe learn, pick up to read, maybe, you know, watch Netflix at home, spend time with your family. Uh, for the time being, I think there's no necessary need to be out uh, necessarily. And, don't you don't have to self quarantine? You still have access to everything out when you need it. But um, if you can minimize that, then I think uh, th those three things would be my advice to everyone. Thank you, thank you so much. And those are, you know, they some of these things may sound simple, but they're so valuable to really 
start implementing these things into your life. Um, and again, thank you so much. And I hope to see you soon. Yeah, uh, I think you, I think you might. I'll be staying over at your place. <laughs> no, thank you. So, you thank, are thank not. You, <laughs> you may not. You should not listen to the piece of advice I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, well, um, again, thank you. And thank you, everyone who has been listening um, and tuned in to this episode. Until next time. Wonderful. All right, bye-bye, everyone. And uh, try tequila. I think that, that keeps you safe, too. Bye. Hola, soy Dafne Wegebe y soy amante de las investigaciones de crimen real. Existe una pasión especial de seguir el paso a paso que los especialistas en la rama forense de la criminología siguen para resolver cada uno de los casos en los que trabajan. Si tú, como yo, eres una de las personas que encuentran fascinante escuchar este tipo de investigaciones, te invito a escuchar el podcast Trazos Criminales con la experta en perfilación criminal, Laura Quiñones Orquiza, en tu plataforma de audio favorita.